Thanks for tuning in. You're now listening to the latest podcast from House SF. For more information about House and our heart for the city, please make sure to visit our website at www.housesf.org. Welcome to church. Welcome to a season of miracles, what we've been talking about in December. I think before we even get started, let's go ahead and pray together. How's that sound? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we're so grateful that you're here and we get to come together as one and worship you. So Father, we ask that you'd speak to us so clearly this morning. God, I ask that you'd give us fresh eyes, like Morgan said. Give us fresh eyes, God, the way that we look at the story of Christmas this year. May we be inspired, encouraged, and built up, God. Father, we commit this time to you. And I say you'd soften our hearts, God. If we came in today with the either expectations or just things that we've been going through throughout the week, Father, or maybe it's the plans of the holidays, everything that's continuing to ramp up, that's consuming our thoughts, God. I ask that everything would kind of just subside. We'd be able to be still and hear from you. We thank you and praise you. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. So, Seasons of, season of miracles. I'm going to kind of like probably pace back and forth initially to warm up, if that's cool. And then once I start to warm up, I'll probably start stripping off layers. Um, it's going to be a party. No. So, <laughs> so I've been reading a lot in the news about like Christmas stories lately. Has anyone else been seeing a lot of stuff about Christmas stories? Yeah. No. Thank you. Not just me. Um, what, now, one of the things that really caught my eye is I was starting to see this trend a lot lately about these tragic stories, tragic, so to speak. There, it actually started off with an article, it was really cute, like someone posted a picture of their child's Christmas list and all of the stuff that they're wanting, it was like brand new iPhone, PS4, like everything that's at least like $500 and above, you know, it was like this whole long list. And they're saying how tragic, you know, their child thought it would be so tragic if they didn't get everything on their list. And then I was reading some more articles and people were talking about like their most tragic Christmas time was they were hoping to get the Tickle Me Elmo or whatever it was and they were hoping and hoping to get this and then by the time Christmas came around and they had their very last gift in front of them and it kind of looked like it, but it was more like a Tickle Me Belbo or something, like the bootleg version. And they didn't get it. And how tragic their Christmas ended up being because of that. It's interesting how Christmas takes this turn, right? And our perspective of what Christmas is and how we view it kind of changes a little bit. We hear it thrown around all the time, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? Put the Christ back in Christmas, right? All the different sayings that you hear. But I really think that there is a danger to, like, of tragic stuff that could take place during Christmas, In fact, one of the greatest tragedies I think we face in today's day and age is growing far too familiar with the Christmas story. It's not getting a gift. It's not not receiving our favorite gift. It's actually growing oh too familiar with that story in the Gospels that we've sang about, right? 
that we've seen all the pictures about, that we've talked about, that we've read about for years and years and years. That every November that we come around and we walk into a store even, we'll hear Christmas jingles going or someone singing about maybe even Jesus, the coming Messiah. And we get so familiar, it starts to just kind of become white noise to us. And the Christmas story just becomes, well, it's the tail end of the year. And, you know, we have Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. We see everyone from family. We have parties. We have gifts that we give away. And then it's the new year. But there's so much more to the story, right? There's so much more in the story. There's the details. Every little detail in that Christmas story. The timing of everything, right? Think about all the prophecies that were fulfilled throughout the Christmas story. There's so many other items of the story. The meaning of the Christmas story is so far greater. And we brush it off and we're like, oh yeah, it's Jesus' birthday. As if that's not a big deal, right? But what's more important is not just Jesus' birthday, it's the fact that Jesus came yeah. for us. Came to earth, amen? Amen. Last week we spoke about the Christmas story in the book of Matthew. This week we're going to look at the book of Luke. And actually I want to focus in on right after Jesus' birth. And in fact, it's in verse, kind of, verse 8 where it's almost kind of confusing if you think about it. It begins with, there were shepherds. Those three words. There were shepherds. If we know that scripture is so intentional about what it states, what is it with the three shepherds? Even more so, I want you to think about this morning, why was it shepherds that God himself chose to announce his coming to? Why wasn't shepherds out of everybody? Scripture tells us, it literally says, and then there was those shepherds. The way I'd like to think about it is, it actually all started with this encounter. Because it doesn't it kind of work out that way with God? It all starts with an encounter with us. Think about the first time you came face to face with the living God, and you experienced and you encountered Jesus, how your world shifted, how things changed in your heart, how your perspective changed. It all starts with an encounter. Now back to these shepherd guys. God could have chosen any method possible to proclaim the coming of the Messiah, right? In fact, it almost would have made more sense if God himself would have gone to the temple and announced it to a high priest. Because this is the way that God spoke to people throughout biblical times, right? He always chose to do it throughout a chain of command. It was out throughout a hierarchy. That's always how God spoke. See, adopting this approach of communication would appease even the most voracious, would call it, scholar at the time. They would look at it and say, like, that actually makes sense for God to communicate through a priest, because that's how he did things. But instead, he chose relationship over religion. Interesting. He did it as early as the coming of Jesus. He chose relationship over religion. Very interesting. See, because religion is man's attempt to get to God, but Christianity and Jesus is God's attempt to get to man. That's where the difference lies. 
Religion and ritual endorses God corresponding and communicating throughout this hierarchy, throughout this chain of command. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, the high priest, if any of us were to come into the temple, we would have to go to either one of the Levites, one of the guys that worked at the temple, or to the high priest. You couldn't just go and speak to God yourself in the temple. You'd have to go through this chain of command. And what the high priest would do is he would intercede for you or he would act on your behalf. He would sacrifice something. He would pray for you. There was this chain of command that you had to go through, right? It was common knowledge. But then insert these shepherds. If we think about it, think about some of the shepherds throughout the Bible. Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, King David. And you think about shepherding, it was this noble career, right? It was something that was esteemed to some level. We see all of these, like, we, I just lifted, listed off the patriarchs of the Israelites. All of the patriarchs. Moses, one of the greatest leaders in Israel's history. David, the greatest king of Judah ever. How so many songs are written after the Psalms of David. He was a shepherd. But at some point, in the turn of the first century, things started to change. Shepherding, which was at one time so esteemed, right, and so looked up to, actually kind of lost its luster. It went from being this thing that was elevated to a vocation that people were kind of despising. They started to look at shepherding as if it was even a disgrace. It was almost like a massive fall from grace that it had. So it went from being related to patriarchs, to leaders, even rulers, to being looked down upon. And of course, due to the nature of their occupation, they didn't have the luxury of working a typical nine to five, right? They're going from field to field, often isolated, often forgotten. Did you realize that shepherds were considered ceremonially unclean? So they weren't even allowed to worship. They weren't allowed to come into the temple. Because of the nature of their job, they were going from field to field to field. So they wouldn't be able to come to the temple regularly like every other citizen would. So there they are ceremonially unclean, isolated, forgotten. And then there's more, though. They had a stereotype of being untrustworthy. And any time they would come into a town that they weren't from, people would actually blame them for stealing. Not just stealing livestock, but if anything was missing, it was a shepherd that did it. You can't trust those guys. They were nomads. They had no possessions of their own. The sheep that they looked after weren't their own either. So why the shepherds? And you could understand from them being a nomad and going from place to place to place, it would feed into this narrative that, okay, if someone was going to steal something, no one in our town would do it. Maybe one of these shepherd guys would have done it, right? But it's wild because historians even make mention that as a result of the stigma, shepherds were not allowed to give testimonies in a court of law or in a judicial system. You guys, they were not allowed to give testimony, even if they were eyewitness to something. 
They were looked at as so untrustworthy that they were not even allowed to be in the court of law. So if they would have witnessed, imagine someone, something being stolen or someone being hurt, and they were the one witness, people would have got away with it. Because you can't tr- trust the shepherd. It's crazy, because if, if you think about it, like when I think about shepherds, I always tend to think about you know, David and Moses and all of these guys, and how shepherding didn't seem too bad of an occupation with them. Like, I know it was like probably monotonous and kind of they would go through the day and nothing too exciting, but there wasn't anything too bad because these men were great men and this is what they did. But it completely changed. And the Talmud even, the Talmud is a collection of rabbinical writings and insights. It's, it's pretty crazy. It's very thorough. It includes the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. Not only that, it includes the 613 laws as well. But the Talmud, there's a saying in there. There's actually a phrase that the rabbis refer to. And it actually says this. No help is to be given to the heathens or to the shepherds. The rabbis even said this. This is in the Talmud. This is crazy. This is in like teaching. No help is to be given to these people. Talk about social outcasts, right? These people are not just social outcasts. They're like, no one wanted them to be around. So with all of this, now that we have a little bit of context for you, I want you to take this into consideration. Why would it be that God would deem these people fit to announce the coming of the Messiah to? Because oddly enough, Scripture doesn't tell us that If you looked outside of Bethlehem, there were philosophers and scholars, right, sitting about and documenting about their revelations, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. doesn't say that. It doesn't say right outside of Bethlehem that at the temple, the Levites were working away and being faithful in the church, and the Levites, who were ceremonially clean, and they were holy because they served in the church, and they were faithful that God appeared to them and announced the Messiah had come. In fact, Scripture actually outlines in detail the exact opposite. doesn't say any of that. It was this gang of lowly shepherds in the fields who the angel appeared to to first proclaim the birth of the Messiah. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, we're going to read together. Scripture says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. I think about these guys, and I really, I love to picture biblical stories like this. These shepherds sitting out there waiting. Talk about an emotional roller coaster that they were just on, those six verses. But think about it for a moment. The way I picture it is, like, they're probably all hanging out, like all the shepherds maybe came together at night, it's probably freezing, not much else to do at night. 
Shepherding in the evening probably wasn't the most exciting thing either, right? Of course, they would have to fend off maybe a lion at times or some, you know, a fox or coyote, whatever it may be. That was the extent of the excitement. More nights than not, it was probably just another sheep going astray and them trying to figure out, is it really worth me going to chase that guy? Really cold and tired. And he always does that, so I'll just let him run off. And the guy that owns these sheep won't even know the difference. Come on. It's just one. So here they are, sitting. Nothing. Stars out. Quiet. Chatting it up. How was your day today? Yeah, same. Cheap, right? <laughs> yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, cheap. But, but then this angel appears. Now what's interesting is when we read this, we read it like this was a normal occurring event, right? And then the shepherd, you know, the angel appeared. Oh, because this happened all the time. Because this happens all the time now, right? Still happens, but like, do you hear about it a whole lot? Probably not. Probably didn't hear about it a whole lot then either. So this wasn't something that was just like, oh yeah, another angel. See these all the time when we're out here in the fields, right? No, they would have heard stories about these angels. They would have heard stories and read about these encounters with God and the angel of the Lord. And the stories are pretty heavy. And there's these rumors like, can you even live if you're in the presence of an angel or what if it is God incarnate himself? You die. So imagine the fear building up inside of these guys. If I could label like their emotions, right? It would be something like this. It would be shock, fear, total confusion, fear, joy, and then confusion. Because what the heck just happened, right? Literally, think about it. And the angel specifically told them not to be afraid. So obviously this angel, when he appeared to them, he saw how frightened they were. Like I said, it wasn't something that they're just so casual and they're like looking over, another angel, whatever, man, I'm watching the sheep over here. They were freaked out. They're probably wondering if they're even going to live through this, right? And then he begins to share this amazing news with them. But scripture says, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly tells me they probably weren't prepared for what took place next, right? Yeah. So suddenly, suddenly a host of angels appeared. It wasn't like they're warming up, you know, or they're, they're warned or they were given a heads up. It's not like they were able to go on YouTube and watch a video on like, what exactly do you do in an angelic encounter? <laughs> or when does this take place, right? They didn't know what to expect. There wasn't like a five-step program or a 10-step program or any, anything. Suddenly, let's be real, bad enough or scary enough, one angel. Then all of a sudden, a host of angels. For some of you, that, like a host, like, okay, what does that mean? Some translations say, go on to say it's uh, a great company. Some will say a multitude. A host, not even hundreds. If you read, like most historians and scholars, theologians will say it's thousands of angels. What? Right? Think about that for a moment. 
One is crazy enough. Like I'm sitting on the quiet. Like I'm, I'm usually just awake and I'll fall asleep to the sheep and the smell, right? But then one angel shows up, scares the daylights out of you, and then all of a sudden, suddenly, then like all these other angels are everywhere, all over the place. But they aren't just sitting there staring at the guys, right? Scripture tells us that suddenly they appear praising God and singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I'm like, I don't want any favor. I don't want nothing resting. I'm running my butt out of here. Right? These angels are everywhere, you guys. Picture this. Angel appears. They probably think they're going to die. They maybe calm down a little bit after like the first 20 seconds. A little, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Suddenly, the angels appear everywhere and praising God. Roller coaster of emotions, right? You're like, <gasps> and then all of a sudden, okay, he's telling me not to be afraid, and then whoa, whoa, whoa! You're like looking around. I thought that there's. I was like, did you guys put angels up behind me? <laughs> <laughs> what a miracle! What a miracle, right? But do you realize these angels might have just appeared, but it wasn't like they just began existing. It wasn't like God just created the angels right there and then. They actually were already around. Hmm. Heaven is all around us. Heaven is all around us, church. But do we have the perspective to see it? Do we have the eyes to call it out and to even speak things into being? Heaven is all around us. These angels, I can guarantee you, existed long before these shepherds did. Them singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, praise, you know, peace to those whom his favor rests. I'm sure that wasn't just like a freestyle worship that they're just doing. They've probably been singing that for generations. Imagine that. Thousands of angels appearing and singing this. And these lowly shepherds hear it. Now back to the good old shepherds. Now, some of you might be wondering, why is he going so hard after these shepherds and trying to prove a point with this? It's because something shifts here. In scripture, we see completely shifts. But at the core of it, God's a personal God. He's a relational God. Let's be real. It wasn't as if God slipped up, forgot the, you know, oh, I put a calendar invite on there that I was supposed to go to the temple and let the priest know and all these other people know. Totally forgot. There's some shepherds out here in the field. Let's just let them know. It wasn't like it was an accident. It wasn't like God literally ran out of options of who to tell. He's like, well, you know, everyone's real busy this Christmas season. Holidays are here, so shepherds ain't got nothing else to do. They're going to be out there with the sheep. Might as well tell them, right? It wasn't like he ran out of options. He's actually so intentional. It was actually a statement, a statement of inclusion. 
a statement that the former is over and we're now stepping into something new. A statement that the former way things were done is no longer going to be the same. The way that you used to speak to me and hear from me was only through a couple people. But those days are over. I'm here to speak to you directly. And I'm here and I'm going to hear you directly. The Messiah had come and had come for you. Yes, even you, shepherd. He came for you as well. Verse 10 The angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the what? All the people. All the people. All people. That's a season of miracles. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's for all people. He says, joy for all For who? For all, for everybody, not just an elite few, not just people that can understand scripture and completely comprehend it and exegete it. No, for everybody. The joy is for everybody. This news is for all people that they could all benefit. No longer just the elite in society or in religion, right? God chose to make a magnificent statement by announcing to the least of society that he had come for all. And he chose the bottom of the barrel. He chose the lowliest of the low so he can make a statement to everybody to say, you are not too far gone. You have not done enough in your world. You have not, you know, Doubted me enough, you haven't done enough bad things, whatever it might look like, whatever it is, you could stack it up as much as you want, but you haven't done enough because I'm going to go to the lowest of people and I'm going to tell them, I'm here for you. I'm here for everyone. Amen? So to the forgotten, to the ceremonially unclean, to the untrustworthy, he trusted his pronouncement to all creation with them. How beautiful is that? Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word. They had spread the word. They had spread the word. Concerning what? They had spread the word. You all catch that, right? Okay. Concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Crazy encounter, thousands of angels, what a night. But then they left. They went to find this baby. They allowed the gospel to interrupt them. In a seasoned church, where our lives are so full, so full with divine presence, doing things for people, doing everything, you know, amazing things. It's Christmas time. Would you allow the gospel to interrupt you this season? 
See, their agendas and their plans had been set aside. Verse 16 says, so they hurried off. Now, is anybody else wondering what I'm wondering? Who's going to watch the sheep? <laughs> I know, right? Pastor, and I'm wondering that. Legitimately, who's going to, like, what are you, where are y'all going? Who's going to watch the sheep? Or better yet, what about the dude that's been shepherding for 20, 30 years, that older guy that everyone knew that sat in the back and he's kind of off to the side, always bitter because he's like always kicking rocks around. Man, I got into this because David. I wanted to be like David and that's why I started this whole shepherding thing. And he quit the week before this happened. Talk about FOMO. Imagine that. He's here, he's like, wait, I've been doing this 20, 30 years and I've like, I'm done getting treated like dirt. I got into this because the king of Israel was a shepherd. I thought like, you know, I could see my growth track going. And I thought like shepherding was down there and then I was going to work my way up through the ranks, right? Nothing happened, so I'm done with this. Imagine that guy. The week before he quits, and then all of a sudden all his homies come up to him and tell him, you would not believe what happened. And he was like, no! Liars, liars. And then he sees the baby. He's like, no, that same field. I was always in that field. <laughs> Imagine that guy. But they hurried off. They left. They left everything. They left their livelihood. Easy to read. Not so easy for it to really resonate inside of us. They left their livelihood. They left all things. What little reputation they may have had their income, whatever possessions they may or may not have, they left all things. Because this news, or this miracle have you, was far too good not to share. And this miracle was not just for them. It was for everyone. So this message of hope, this message of Christmas church is not just for us. It's a message for us to share. It's a message for a hurting world that may not even realize it needs it. It's a message for a world that's longing for recognition and to be known, to experience true love. A message for others where it's a message that there's more to life that we can actually live a life of miracles, a life with Emmanuel, God with us. It's a message that we all need to hear. We all need to share. This, what so many of us would refer to as is their testimony. It was their story. And there's nothing more powerful than a story especially when it's told by someone that's lived it or experienced it firsthand. Story. Our stories of how we've encountered Jesus and how God, God met us exactly where we were at. How that love has changed us. How that love has given us hope, has given us fresh perspective, has given us purpose. Those stories. For these shepherds, their stories were completely altered. And not just theirs altered, but their story that they shared altered countless lives. 
Imagine all the eternities that were, you know, changed because of these shepherds' stories. When these guys couldn't even share in a court of law or in a judicial system, they couldn't give account for anybody else, but all of a sudden God flipped the script and completely changed that. Because it was all from an encounter. All from an encounter. I think it's safe to say even that these shepherds, these lowly shepherds, were our first evangelists of the gospel. If you think about it, they, if they didn't share this news, who would have done it? Who would have shared it? But I want to turn the attention to you for a moment. Do you realize where you sit today? There's power in your story. All of you. There is power in your story. In fact, there's power in your story that can shift someone's life and shift their eternity. I know that we like to downplay this often and be like, no, my story is all screwed up. Like, how could God use it? I think he showed us all throughout these Gospels. More occasions than not, but he showed us with these shepherds who had generations and generations of stigmas put placed upon them. And God completely changed everything. So, this holiday season, the season of miracles, you're actually a gift. Your life is a gift to all of creation. Are you sharing that story? the gift that you are, the gift that God has given to the world through his son Jesus, eternal life, and throughout you, throughout all of us? Are you sharing that story? Are you sharing that hope that you have this Christmas season? In fact, are we sharing it at all? If we really simplify things, we are Christmas people. We have no faith without Christmas. We should be Christmas people. We should be living from Christmas all year long. When's the last time you shared your story, church? Like I said, we often dismiss them because we don't understand how God could actually use our stories. Some of us grew up and we're like, well, no, I grew up in a good home. My family, family is awesome. They love me. You know, I started going to church early. They raised me to love Jesus, and I've really stuck with that, and it's boring. Nah. There's so much beauty in that. There's so much beauty in that that other people would be inspired by if you only shared it. So there's people that need to hear your story. Because once you get down to it, your story, it's not really just for you, right? It's not really just for you. And in fact, it's not really just about you. It's more about him. It's more about Jesus. Amen? So let's look again quickly at the shepherd's response in closing. After the angels went away, they could have had a quick debrief and thought about it. And like so many of us, they'd, well, let's, let's debrief about it. Did that really happen? Like we ate some weird cactus or whatever it was earlier. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Like, because didn't he say a baby was going to be a sign? Like, that's some weird stuff. And then some of them would probably be like, actually, was it more metaphorical than, think about it. 
like a baby being a sign. Maybe it was just a metaphor. And like, are, are we actually supposed to go into Bethlehem? Because look, I've been walking around all day. I'm tired. And we got to head over there? It's just so cold outside. Just like it's cold in here right now. <laughs> it's so cold outside. It's not really practical. Because what would we do with all of our sheep? We would lose our jobs. Get it, right? Excuses, excuses. My bad. Reasoning, reasoning, justification, justification. That's more palatable for us, right? I think about this, and it actually gets really confronting to me. Because I think about how many times I've talked myself out of taking steps of faith. I believe it's something that happens way more often than we actually want to admit to. Hey. They could have done that as well, these shepherds. They could have written it off, rejected the whole entire encounter. It's gone on with life. For some of us, it may not be a job that's in the way. It may be something else. But doesn't it all kind of start to sound familiar, at least in some way, shape, or form? God, that's a really big ask. And, uh... It's not really what I signed up for because it's really starting to take up a whole lot of my time. I have my stuff I want to achieve. That's for you. So you couldn't possibly be asking me to walk away from something, right? It just wouldn't make sense, God. How will it look to everybody? What will they think about me? Better yet, what will they say about me behind my back? But what did they do? The shepherds hurried off, and they went. They still went. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Now, what I love about what Scripture says is that the shepherds, Scripture tells us actually, let's go, they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. They did not say, let's go find out if this thing even took place. There's a shift in perspective there. You see that? There's a shift in heart stance. It's a response of faith and expectancy. They encountered God and they were going to move in faith and be obedient. Because hearing about Jesus and in fact even singing about him like we did so far today, that's one thing, right? But coming face to face with him? Experiencing him and his love and his grace for yourself? That's a game changer. That changes everything. In fact, when you come face to face with the living God, you cannot help but be changed. There is no way that you will walk away the same if you come face to face with Jesus. Amen? And I think for some of us, maybe we've been a Christian for a while. What I'm praying for for you this Christmas time is for a fresh encounter with the living God. You may say, oh, I know him. Well, guess what? You, you, know, you might, know, might know a facet of him, but you could know so much more of him. And he wants you to know so much more of him. So maybe some of us just need a fresh encounter going into this Christmas season to realize that we are part of the story. 
Because all it takes, right, is one encounter. All throughout scripture, all it took is one encounter for the blind man, for the lame man, right? All it took was one encounter with Jesus. I'm the same type. I was broken. All it took was one encounter for me to see, actually, I'm not who society says I am. I'm not who my past says I am. I'm something so much greater. I actually have purpose in my life that's far greater than I could even write up goals for. See, in the same way that God rewrote the shepherd's stories by writing them into his, he's doing the same thing with us. This is Christmas. This is a Christmas story. Not only is this a miracle this season, but on, on the other side of this miracle, family, is the opportunity we have to invite people into the same story. It's the greatest, the most beautiful story that's ever been written, and it's being written right now. So how are we going to step into this Christmas season? How are you going to step into this Christmas season? What's your response going to be? Because you get to live with Emmanuel, God with you, God with us. You carry him with you to the workplace and to class. When you go to hang out with your friends and your family, you carry the presence of God. You carry this message of hope and grace and purpose and redemption inside of you. You carry this. And some of us need to just get a fresh revelation of that, that that's what you carry, because maybe some of you are feeling down coming into Christmas season. I'm a realist. For so many of us, we have bad memories with holidays, and we think about it, and we're like, oh, Christmas is the last thing I want to think about, right? Oh, boy, here we go. Pastor's going to talk about this again. God wants to rewrite that story for you. He already did the work on the cross. Everything's been done. You've been given the keys. He's even opened the door for you. Unlocked it. He's like, son, daughter, I just need you to walk through. Would you stand together? I think what better way to just end our time today than to focus all of our attention towards Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, Emmanuel, God with us, God with you this holiday season. Father, what I ask for in this very moment for so many of us is for a fresh encounter with you. Because sometimes what others need is they don't need theology and they don't need a good story. What they need is just to see what an encounter looks like. When Moses came down from the mountain, all the Israelites saw the glory of God upon him. And imagine how many people that impacted. Do you realize that by you sitting in God's presence that you could do the same? You could carry this into public. You could carry this into your own families, into your own household. Let's worship.
Thanks again for listening to the House SF podcast. We pray that you're encouraged today by this message. If you'd like to partner with and support our ministry, please visit us at www.housesf.org.